In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I go over the Sixers' thrilling 119-115 win over the Boston Celtics in Game 1 of the second-round playoff series behind a playoff career-high 45 points from James Harden. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman in Boston. How you doing, Rich? One of my favorite places to go, especially when it's not freezing. I enjoy kind of walking on the the water, kind of where the arena is. A lot of cool old history stuff. I'm doing great. I'm burying the lead. Maybe the biggest Sixers win in, I mean, the Toronto series was pretty good, but that's a big one considering the context. That was, woof. Yeah, no, that was that was the the biggest playoff win the biggest playoff performance i've seen since iverson Uh, and i don't even know if it's really close uh for them to come out the way that they did uh, well not the way that they did the way that they did was really bad defensively but for them to turn it on and for james harden to have that fourth quarter where he scored 15 points in the final 10 minutes of the game none bigger than that game winning um pull up three over step back three over al horford over who (laughs) former sixer al horford oh quite honestly defended it pretty well uh they didn't want that matchup but they uh conceded it a little easier than i thought they would have there at the end uh, but he made that big shot tyrese maxi stole the ball it was one of the most incredible 60 seconds of time i've seen live it was truly fantastic uh i'm just looking up some stats because you said al horford defended that play well and that might be true he might have defended that play. Well. Right. That specific play. No other play I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, this is from Jared Dubin on Twitter. Harden, and I don't have second spectrum, so this is helpful. When Harden ran a pick and roll at Horford, 16 direct picks, 28 <laughs> points, which yep. is 1.75 PPP, which is a lot. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, they definitely targeted that matchup a lot. Early in the game, Hor- Horford was in a lot of drop. They switched a lot more after that. None of it really worked. James Harden was on one of the best heaters we've seen, certainly in a Sixers uniform, but really in years. He hadn't scored 40-plus since he was with Houston, uh, not with the Nets, not last year with the Sixers, not this year with the Sixers. Tied a playoff career high, which was previously set at 45 back in 2015. He had a, a completely absurd night. And I feel like we spoke a lot about you need an absurd night from Tyrese Maxey. I don't want to say we overlooked James Harden a little bit, but Maxi sort of felt like the one where there was a lot of variance because he struggled so much against these guys in the regular season. Well, it turns out James Harden, and look, the threes are going to get a lot of attention, and rightfully so. When he makes 7 of 14 threes, he's a lot better player. But the way he was dusting dudes off the dribble, like he got Jalen Brown in the second half Ooh. on a really good you know, misdirection move where smoked Brown him. was completely off balance. He smoked him. He went up for... What he called was a dunk. I thought it was a little more of a layup. I'm not sure if he really got completely over. I think that was in jest. I think he was giving Murphy some shit for for the finger roll thing. But But regardless, it was uncontested and easy. Yeah. And the way he got there, the way he finished, like this is a guy who shot five for 20 inside inside of five feet in the previous series. It looks like the week off did him real well. Real well. Look, what we learned is if you're struggling with your two point field goals, Go to the Flamingo in Las Vegas (laughs) and wear whatever outfit he was wearing 
for last night's game. I know that got a lot of attention. Can't wait for game two because he's been he's been on one with the uh, with the fashion choices. Obviously, James is always like that. Uh, another stat from from Jared Dubin. According to Second Spectrum, 43% of the Sixers' points, so that's 50 out of the 119 that they scored, came as the direct result of a hardened ball screen. And mm-hmm. after the game, you know, you hear Harden say, I'm capable of this. I'm more a passer. And I get the part where he says, my role is not usually to do this. That's true. His role is usually to feed Joel Embiid. But the idea that he was capable of this, we didn't know that. You just said it. He shot 9 of 34 from two-point range against the Nets. He shot 10 of 16 against Boston last night from two. Some of them were mid-rangers, great little shots. But some of them, you know, blow by of Brown. He had a couple other ones where he just used his body and... The Celtics were not well, helping quite as much as the Nets were. And he not only just, that, but like he got by Tatum, he got yeah. by Smart, he got by pretty much everyone he tried to get by. And, you know, after the previous series, I said, and I think I was kind of talking myself into it, but I said, look, his burst looked good. I was, in, I was, I was happy with his burst. If you can just figure out how to put the ball in the damn basket, you can maybe say that the Brooklyn series was an encouraging sign from him. Well, his burst looked freaking Awesome. Like as good as it looks back in January, February timeframe. Now, will that always be the case when there's not a week in between games? We'll see. But that was, if you want to pick, I mean, obviously winning game one without Joel is an encouraging start to the series. No shit, Derek. But if you want to just like <laughs> highlight one specific thing, having James Harden look like that. And like I said, not even threes. Great. The way he was exploding out of dribble drive moves was really encouraging. What's what's the formula? Burst plus pop yep. plus touch equals that. And that was a throwback performance from James Harden. And I think a lot of the year, when we talked about it, we said, you know, they need good Harden in the playoffs. They just need competent. They they need not game six from last year Harden. You know, 15 and 10, make sure the offense is running right. And that was because Joel Embiid was destroying worlds when that happened. Yep. Well, you don't have Joel Embiid in the most important game, and you need great James Harden. You need even better than great James Harden, and you got it. That was, man, what a big win. I mean, no, I the- mean, we, we talked last year when he had like 30-whatever against the Raptors in the first round. He was way better in this game. Like, tears and tears and tears better in this game than he was last year at any point in the playoffs. Uh, I, I truthfully... Didn't know he had it in him, and I'm very happy to say that. And look, the, the reason, I think you mentioned it earlier, you know, I made the joke about the Flamingo. I don't think we can understate how important it was for one, the Sixers to finish that series in four, even as he was struggling, but to get the week off, to be able to go to Vegas and come back and still be completely yep. fresh. I mean, the Sixers had a day off on Friday. They were They were practicing so much during yeah. this. They were like, you know what? We need a day. We've had like enough this. practice. I need to stop seeing these guys. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, to, to get that week off. And then for Trey Young to make that shot and push this series back a couple of days, I don't think we can understate how important that was for Harden. And that's the best he's looked since, obviously, it's the best he's looked since his Achilles was hurt in uh, in the middle of March. And this was an even better version of like what he looked like in January and February. And I, I guess to finish this off with Harden, because there are other guys and other players we should get to in our, uh, our truncated podcast here. 
when you have somebody who's one of the top 75 players of all time and they have a performance like that on the road, yeah. we're in that arena, the loudest, one of the best fans, like it's a really hard place to win for him to shut those people up in that hostile of an environment. Uh, after, you know, all of the focus on his playoff history, it's just, it's a really special moment, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it felt, it felt like you were watching and who knows, like, this is just one game. You had James. I thought he was great after the game. He was like, it's just one game. But even so, it felt like you were watching kind of like an NBA top 75 signature performance. Like that's something that'll be on YouTube mixes or, or documentaries for a long time. It was really special. Yeah, no, it really was. Um, I guess, like you said, we are going to do a truncated podcast here in part because we've got to run right from here to a practice. De'Anthony Melton obviously was fantastic in the first half. I think it was five for five from three, 17 points when the Sixers were, you know, they were, they were in a track meet. Uh, it's funny looking at the two shot charts between these two teams and Boston is almost 100% either at the rim or four three. Now the Sixers got more threes, but the Sixers have shots freaking everywhere in mid range. And I think Boston had two mid range shots the entire game. Uh, Boston was getting to the rim whenever they wanted. They needed points. Melton gave them points there in the late first and second quarter. He was huge. Tobias had some really big shots down the stretch. And then Maxi mm-hmm. had that inexplicable steal that I have no real, we will never see that kind of a play again. It was mind boggling. Oh my God. First of all, just the fact that how much time Boston was wasting. Now you knew, you knew Boston wanted to run some clock, but it's like, that was a, one point game with a minute left. Like you your goal there isn't just to ruin clock. You've got to get good offense. They did jack shit for 23 seconds. And then rather than call a timeout, rather than put up a bad shot, freaking Malcolm Brogdon threw it behind him right to Maxi. And like the entire with, with floor like, stopped. They had no idea if the play was even live. And to be honest, it was very close. It was, did you go back? I went back and rewatched that at quarter speed. Oh boy, Rich. It was, if he did not catch it with even a tenth of a second to spare. I don't know what the exact rule was. You know, if it's with zero, you get the ball or whatever. It was so close. And it's like you're saying, Malcolm Brogdon could have done literally anything else. He could have thrown a slower pass to Tyrese Maxey. He could have punted the ball into the stands. He could have just taken a charge. He could have traveled. But he threw a bullet. It was like an outlet pass. He was leading Tyrese Maxey. And I I was watching that live. We weren't sitting next to each other on press row like we usually do for the Sixers game. I I thought it was a shot clock violation just because Tyrese Maxey clearly yeah. thought it was a shot clock violation. He's dribbling the ball and obviously nobody's gonna catch him like with it with the head of steam basically after the most inexplicable pass you've ever seen. But he's even like looking back. And credit to him for finishing the play. That's almost like a, a football player after, you know, after a fumble, you don't know if it's true or not, run the ball back or whatever. He he was like, thank God I laid the ball in because part of me did not want to lay the ball in. And and I get where he was coming from. It was so unbelievably inexplicable. And then I look up at the shot at the scoreboard. I was like, oh, it, it says yeah, 114, yeah. 113 Sixers. Oh, I guess that counted. You, you cannot have a bigger swing in a final play. And it's like you said, they did not run good offense on that play. And that's the biggest difference between the Sixers and the Celtics at the end of the game. The Sixers ran really good offense, really crisp offense. I think James Harden deserves a lot of credit for that. Doc Rivers beat the hell out of Joe Mazzullo last night. 
And, and James uh, Harden beat even the that hell list- out of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like, they did not, outside of Tatum, when he got to the foul line that one possession, he was not aggressive in the fourth quarter. What did he end up with? I think maybe five points in the fourth quarter. Brown had three. I don't think they made a field goal in the final, like, ten minutes or so. They were not good. No. Jalen Brown didn't get a touch after yeah. going six for seven for, like, I mean, he, he got had, like, 26 points on ten like- shots. How do you only get ten shots? It's unbelievable. And it's, you know, we, we you mentioned the three-pointers. You know, Boston didn't have a lot of threes. and. I get that the Sixers limiting them on threes is a good thing. I, I would argue the second half was much better defense right. in that regard. The, the, they didn't take any threes in the first half. Right. Right. Ball in the every first half, they weren't play. taking threes because they, they were getting layups instead. They were getting layups in the first 10 seconds of the shot clock <laughs> yeah. like I've never seen before, which adds on to which makes uh, that finish even more inexplicable. Brown doesn't touch it for three quarters. Tatum only has five points on the stretch. These guys were walking to the basket for... Forever. I mean, the Celtics shot 73% in the first half. They shot 17 of 20 with 26 paint points in the first quarter. They were up by fucking three points at halftime. And I think that just goes to show, you you mentioned Melton, huge threes. I mean, he went five for five from three in the first half. But even in addition to the scoring, I thought the Sixers offense was excellent. Their game plan was awesome. And it just goes to show Doc Rivers when he has no Embiid, it's it's very simple. They spread the floor, and they get great shots. And you need James Harden to be good James Harden for yeah. that to work. But it's it's clear that the coach knows what he's doing in terms of just putting them in the right spot. It's clear the players know what they're doing. They're 13-5 and five this year without Embiid, man. And two of those are now playoff wins. So it's uh, I, I know I'm screaming a lot now, but it was just an unbelievable team win up and down the lineup. It was crazy. I mean... They need to work on their transition defense. That's as bad as they could have played at the beginning of that game, but they still found a way yeah. to win. You know, the only real reason that they um, saved themselves transition-wise, they didn't turn the ball over all that much. That was their one no. saving grace. Really, their only saving grace defensively in the first half is that they didn't turn the ball over on offense, which tells you about their first half defense. There is part of me that worries when you look at the shots that Boston was able to get, even though the Sixers won, even though they ended up winning the math battle because they made a ton of threes, even though James Harden had a, a, a career night, the first half, it came so easy for Boston. And even Harden, you mentioned Harden, like that basically running five out with him can look bad if he's not on it. Like there were a lot of possessions where it's like crossover, 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 shot with three seconds left. Well, if those don't go in, it doesn't look quite as good. I do worry that Boston's offense is a little more sustainable going forward. But at this point, it doesn't fucking matter. You just got to get four wins. And every game is going to look different. Every every script yeah, is yeah. going to be different. Got to get three wins Yeah, you now. need three more. Uh, you don't know how much longer, if at all, Joel Embiid will be out. doesn't seem like he is on the precipice of returning, but they could also be you know, trying to play it close. Certainly have the option to buy another game and not feel like you're you're in a major hole. You know, if By you the can, way, probably getting the NBA award later tonight, or announced as it at least. Yeah, and he might be actually physically getting that award on Friday when he has two extra days of rest to play. You you have that option. It was funny watching him. I, I don't think he's like on the precipice of returning either. He was he was moving better than he did in the workout celebrating uh those hardened shots at yeah. the end of the game. It was uh it was just quite quite a win. Um and, and uh, what one extra point too on on Doc and Missoula the last play of the game after Harden makes that three and by the way they left old man Horford on that island with Harden after those stats I cited. That was yeah, 
Look, Harden beat double teams all night, but that was PJ screening for him. Double and him. Make, make PJ, PJ screening make screening from like 30 feet away, too. Like, what's P- what are you going to do? Swing the ball to PJ and he's going to what? Dribble twice and pass to someone? Inexplicable. Make PJ Inexplicable. make that play. Make, make him drive against somebody. Uh, so I think that's a clear adjustment for Boston next game. Now, that said, they doubled him on the couple possessions before. And guess what? Harden threw, threw the ball right to Paul yep. Reed. They had another one where they kind of slow played it and he threw it back to Tobias for a three. So it's not the magic bullet. Like, I think if we said before the game, oh, they're going to double James Harden, we would say, great. Like, the Sixers are probably going to get some good shots out of that. Harden's really good at uh, starting the offense. Sorry, last point because I'm talking for forever here. On the last play, the Celtics go to Marcus Smart. I don't know if that was him freelancing. Like, they had some kind of window dressing offense on the other side. They want the Marcus Smart and an ISO. That is their worst possible yeah. offensive play. You have Brogdon, Brown, and Tatum on the floor, and you go Marcus Smart at the end of that game, and he makes a, you know, he makes like a kind of a reckless drive into B-ball, Paul. Good play by Melton to get his hands on it. Tatum is not spaced correctly. Sixers win, and I think part of it was that they were more organized down the stretch. I think there's no question about that. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL, Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events we've got the spot our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I guess that's probably a pretty good pivot point to B-Ball Paul, who had a uh, a little bit of an Folk interaction hero. there with uh, with PJ Tucker late. Uh, the, the play in question came with a little over a minute left, and the Celtics got, I believe, two offensive rebounds before a Horford layup to push the lead to three. Uh, B-Ball closed out on, I think it was Brogdon taking the shot and didn't really get back into the play. After the two rebounds, Doc calls a timeout. P.J. Tucker is talking to um, 
to Paul Reed. And I think. How did Doc phrase it? He said it was Ex- borderline excessive, excessive and, or something of that sort. And, um, and by the way, the video is online. Okay. It's, it's I, there I, ha- I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Tyrese Maxey said that he thought PJ Tucker was going to like grab him and shake him out of his jersey. And basically, <laughs> PJ Tucker said that he needed to grab the next two offensive rebounds or next two rebounds. Doc Rivers kept him in the game. Paul Reed made four huge free throws down a stretch, including two on the very next possession that aforementioned pick and roll from, from Harden to Reed where he got fouled on just monster plays. One of them to put, I guess the Sixers up one and then the other two free throws to ice the game. Overall thoughts on the B-ball Paul experience there last night. A fan favorite is turning into a folk hero is, is what I'm seeing. And it's just amazing. You know, we, spoke about how they were in the same situation last year in Miami, having to win a game without Embiid. We'll see if they play two, but but at least trying to steal one. And one of the biggest differences is that in last season, they started DeAndre Jordan because they were worried about B-ball Paul's fouls. They said, Paul Reed is our best center, but he fouls a ton, and we don't know what minutes he's going to play, so we're going to bring him off the bench to kind of protect him. B-ball Paul after setting his career high in minutes in game four against Brooklyn with 32 played 37 minutes against Boston. (laughs) Yeah. Did you see, did you see the Shams tweet? Completely interrupting the podcast here. The Memphis Grizzlies have informed pending free agent Dylan Brooks that he will not be brought back under any circumstances. I've never (laughs) seen a report like that. That just blew my mind. I have never seen it reported like that ever, ever. It's like he committed a crime or something like that. And really the crime was just talking too much to LeBron James. (laughs) Okay. Unbelievable. Uh, Well, that's great. (laughs) Hashtag this, this league. So yeah, I mean for B-ball Paul to make those plays down the stretch and yeah, with PJ, you know, it's funny. It's been like the joke that PJ yells at him, you know, PJ admits it. He really does yell at him. He really does yell at him. And for Doc Rivers to say the yelling was excessive, Doc Rivers to say that, you know it was pretty excessive. And, you know, I just kind of picture Homer Simpson kind of strangling Bart. That's kind of this <laughs> yeah. relationship. And look, I, I just think B-Ball Paul is just a tough kid, though, man. Like, he's just, for, for better or worse, people yelling at him. And I think Maxie has this quality, too. Yeah, he just doesn't care. I mean, maybe he does care, but he certainly doesn't ele- uh, allow it to uh, to affect his play. And the things he did down the stretch... I mean, those going four for four yeah. at the line in that building, all net. And he said it after the game. He's like, this is what I work on. He's like, I, I work my, my tail off on this. And he's right. Like we watch him after practice every time he, along with Tyrese is the guy that doc always says, yeah, we have to kick him out of the gym. Like he just, we're like, you're, you're here too much. Like we need you to actually rest. That's a guy who's worked on his, his skills for a long time. And for him, to make those shots down the stretch and then get that steal at the end was uh was epic stuff. Like, you know, it's a, it's a two-part story here at the top where you have Joel Embiid not in. So, who replaces him as the best player? James Harden, excellent. And who replaces him as the center? Paul Reed, also excellent in uh in his role. Just terrific stuff from him, man. Yeah, no, it really was. Uh all right, where do we finish off with here? The Sixers went to a lot more zone after Boston shot 17 for 20 in the first quarter. 
Just want to repeat that <laughs> stat. 17 of 20. Where do you... I mean, you can't just hope that Boston... I mean, Boston might have another game where they just stop running their offense, but where do you go from there to, to get better stops? I hate to say it, because yeah. you know I'm the most anti-zone person in the world. I think you got to play a lot more zone, because <laughs> at least they're not shooting layups every time. Yeah. At least they might be wide open threes, and that's not great, but that first half was completely unsustainable. They were running the ball down their throats. It was wild. Uh, so more zone... I think, uh, look, I, I just think they need to get back and transition better. It's Look, but it, it, it's also hard. <laughs> Jalen Brown flying at you in transition, even if you're Tobias Harris, who I think is probably the best equipped guy to guard Jalen Brown in transition, it's hard. There's there's a reason he's going to make a super duper max or, or whatever on the, on his next contract. There's a reason why these guys are the... Uh, the title favorites, but they, they definitely need to do a better job of, of building a wall and transition and getting back. Um, look, they, they played more zone. They were more locked in. I, I thought it was funny. One of their only stops in the first quarter was when George was on Jalen Brown. And it was almost like you like rope doped him a little bit. You're like, this is going to be too easy. And Jalen Brown, I think got in his head and he fired up a top three. I dude, I don't know. I, it, it's like you said, some of the, some of the Sixers shots, I think, Specifically in the second half, you're right. It was a lot of crossovers, a lot of difficult shots from Harden. I thought the first half they got a lot of good driving yeah. kick stuff for the most part and a lot of like walk-in shots for Harden. But I agree with you. The Celtics stuff that felt a lot more sustainable. Yeah. And and it's like, as for an adjustment, I'm, when I say play zone, that means like, eh, just pray they, they miss some shots, yeah. you know. It's 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 going to be hard. I, I don't envy Dan, uh, Dan Burke on, on that. Regard just because they're they're a tough team. Like, okay, maybe you double off Horford more. All right, he's forty five percent three point shooter. He, he might shoot five of seven in one game. Maybe you can double off of him at the Wells Fargo Center though, because he can't shoot at the Wells Fargo Center, or at least he couldn't that one year. Mm. Did you watch that one? No, game? no, I know, I know, I know. I was just trying to make a Horford bad on the Sixers joke. Well, that had to be for Sixers fans about as satisfying. Yeah. As it gets for, for Harden to just light up Horford. He lit him up the entire game. And also, you know, for so long it was, oh man, and beads and drop coverage. Here come yeah. the Celtics popping <laughs> yeah. threes on you. Ooh, tables turn yeah. last night. Yeah. Um Yeah. That was completely it was just complete it was unexpected. It was pandemonium. It was it was it was an incredible and you're right, Boston the atmosphere in Boston is always great. But watching that slowly turn towards the end, watching that sort of angst that I think we feel with Sixers fans a lot, watching another fan base go through that, it was certainly an interesting script change. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Um, I have not seen that arena when the Sixers play them in a big game. I've seen them play a decent amount of big mm -hmm. games there, some regular season games, certainly some playoff games. That arena is usually joyous and, yeah. and kind of lifting the Celtics over the finish line. And for the Sixers too. Again, it just adds to the legend of what Harden did. Like the history of this rivalry, how good that building is to steal that game. That is epic shit. <laughs> epic. No notes. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on how Doc used the bench on 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 anything? I'm trying to think. We do got to wrap up here in a couple. Well, minutes. well, well. He he did point out, and, and I agree with this. They need to clean up the shot profile. Like we said, the Celtics got way too easy of looks for most of the game. 
That's how the Sixers did win the possession battle. Yep. They did get more offensive rebounds. And the big thing they won yep. was the turnover battle where the Celtics threw the ball. And that that's the most underrated part of Harden's game. I mean, he had the ball in his hands the entire night but he ended up and only have three turnovers. shots, six assists, three turnovers. That's great stuff, man. And that, that goes to show that like they were getting good looks. And really, Boston's defense is good. But they weren't that good last night. They like Harden was in a very comfortable zone. I guess another guy we should shout out, even though he didn't have the best game. Look, he had a better game than Derek White, yeah. who I, I've been talking about a week for a week that, that he's owned him. Tyrese's threes didn't go in. He talked about how they were giving him his left hand and he was able to get to that step back jumper. He missed pretty much every one in and out. I didn't think they were like the worst looks yeah. in the world a lot of the time. But Tyrese was tough. And he had some critical yep. plays down the stretch. I mean, we, we mentioned the steal, which was a little bit lucky, but he also had the end mm-hmm. one at the end of the shot clock where he finishes. Look, Tyrese Maxey getting up 24 shots. I thought that was going to be a question coming into the series. They had smothered him in the regular season. And I thought especially because he got hurt in the middle of the game, he banged his knee. Uh, I just thought it was a gritty, gutty performance from, from that. Yeah, it was. Kid, you know, and obviously... And he had some- Obviously, he had five fouls, but... And like you said, he didn't make his threes. I think he shot, what, two for nine. I'm much more interested in that nine number than I am that two. Had a couple of really good drives, had a couple of moments there early in the third quarter. Early in the fourth, while James was out, where he was big and kept them afloat. On a night where in the second half, nobody really outside of James and Maxie had it going. Uh, His stretches were important. And I agree with you, just the fact that he got up 24 shots or whatever it was, that he got up nine threes, encouraging, encouraging. I thought he got pretty good looks, too. Um, and for a game where the whistle was swallowed for the first three quarters, um, I thought he played well. I thought he played not great, but encouraging, considering the previous That's unbelievable. The first foul of the game with 30 seconds left in the first yeah. half. It was, and it was funny, all, all the people on press row, the Sixers and Celtics, we, we were like sickos. We were rooting for it to get the <laughs> halftime without a foul. And then I think B-Ball Paul fouls Jalen Brown at the end, and it was, oh, man. Uh, yeah, I was... Very impressed with Tyrese's performance. You mentioned some of the nice finishes. That one finish in the third quarter where he's like, he's basically falling out of bounds on that right baseline. The, the angle of that shot, and it was well contested, I believe, by Horford. That is a low percentage shot for him to finish. Yeah. That was yeah. unbelievable. And that and one that they reviewed, which shouldn't have been reviewed because even if he was outside of the charge circle, he was moving he's his moving. feet anyway. I just, I can't, I can't believe how good Harden looked. I, and I, I really, I, I feel like I would be saying this even if he shot like four for 14 from three, like the way that he was just getting to his spots was really, really impressive against a really good defense and against a team that should cause him a lot of problems. Gives you that so, more than anything. And also stealing a win is really what gives you encouragement. Like they have a chance now. They, they have a real chance. So what do you think about this? I, I would argue encouragement in terms of what Boston did. I don't know. I think if Horford and smart look like that, like I expect Derek White to play better. Yep. Like he, that was one of his worst games of the year. I, I'm not sure he's going to play as well as he did against the Hawks and in the Sixers in some of those games. But there's certainly a nice happy medium between what he did last night and you know, and, and his his late season surge. But I don't know. Horford and Smart do not feel quite like the same players to me. And you know, I like you mentioned what to do defensively. I would say induce smart to do yeah. anything, yeah. right? Anytime Marcus smart is taking you off the dribble or doing something that is better than Jason Tatum and much better than Jalen Brown. So that, I don't know. Like I, 
if they have a couple rotation guys that are a little bit of weak links, and if Horford is that weak of a link defensively, you know, I think a lot of the Celtics people are calling for more two big lineups, and it's like, okay, all right, then you get a little easier to guard. Then I think the layup line stops a little bit, a little bit. just because you're spacing. A little, a little bit. Anyway, I, I guess my point is when the Celtics are saying you need to double James Harden more, and you need to play more two big lineups. If you told me that before the series, it's I would have been like, you're playing yeah. into the Sixers' hands. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I agree with you. I still think it's going to be a very tough series to win, but there are some encouraging things in there for sure. For sure. And obviously, number one is that Harden was able to summon 2017 regular season yep. Harden. All right. We have to get going. I've got to get in. You've got to get into the practice. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.